You're in the right place, so stay right where you are. In just a few seconds, you'll be listening to the Preppers and Makers podcast, the podcast of the future, the podcast of the survival technician, and the podcast for those middle-of-the-road people who still want to be alive after apocalypse. Hello and welcome to Preppers and Makers. I'm Greg, and today we're going to talk about some of the definitions that you're going to need to understand what I'm talking about. A lot of these you already know or think you know. Maybe you know them and I don't. We're going to find out. The thing is, everyone has their own definitions based on their experience from these things. Today's subject is what is a prepper? What is a survivalist? What is a maker? And at the heart of all of this, the term that I'm going to use the most is, what is a survival technician? So, as we get into this, uh, probably the first term that ever came about on this was survivalist. Survivalist was a term that was coined by a gentleman who I knew, and he became my friend over the course of time, Kurt Saxon. He was an interesting figure in the early survivalist groups. He, uh, he was from Eureka, California, and was credited with coining the term survivalist. It became known as something totally different than what he originally intended over the course of the years. It became used for those uh, weird, obscure hermits who would hole up back in the woods with... 10 years of food and ammo to keep you away and were antisocial and yelled at you if you got onto their property. And eventually the survivalist groups came about. Uh, in Arkansas here we had at one point a big news event where we got to watch on films. The government raided the compound of a group called the Covenant, the Sword, and the Arm of the Lord. This has been enough years ago that a lot of you probably don't know about them, but you've heard about things like uh, uh, Ruby Ridge and Waco and that sort of stuff. And the, the heart of what the survivalists have been known for in that spin on them is their defiance and opposition to government control. Now, a lot of preppers in the modern world share that also. And a lot of preppers realize that preparedness has to do with the facts of where you're at. They may be preppers or prepared for the government to come and take their guns. They may be preppers that are prepared for a tornado or a flood that's likely to happen. You know, we, uh, we are broadcasting from the Ozarks here in the northwest corner of Arkansas, which is kind of the end of Tornado Alley, which stretches across part of Texas and uh, stretch across Oklahoma and ends right around where we are. So in tornado season, we are uh, recipients of a great deal of tornadoes. And that's something that most of the people learn to be prepared for. Um, you, you hear about the, the poverty-stricken areas and trailer parks being hit a lot and that sort of stuff. It does seem that almost all disasters disproportionately pick on those people who don't have the financial means to prepare. And that's what we're going to discuss here is how you can prepare. So here we've talked about the, the evolution from survivalist back in the beginning all the way to prepper now. And let me explain something about what Kurt Saxon meant when he was talking about survivalists. He used the term because he thought that whatever happened, 
you should be prepared to survive. And in that same context, his viewpoint was very similar to what modern preppers are. He did believe that you should be able to arm yourself and take care of yourself. He also believed in respect for the government where it protected you. He thought that a community was more important than an individual being to hold up and protect themselves from the community. He pointed out that survival meant having someone in your local community who was good at a thing that you needed. That, that could be a car mechanic, it could be gardening, it could be carpentry, plumbing, electrician. The, <clears throat> the, the survivalists, in his viewpoint, were people who were prepared as a, a, a community, as a culture, and as a small part of civilization to survive. So, he was very misunderstood over the course of his life, and uh, it didn't help that he didn't really give a crap what people thought, so he went ahead and did whatever although I respect that a great deal. Now, on the other end of our title here, we have, have preppers and makers. What's a maker? Uh, so that's, um, maybe you could turn, use the term DIY, because everybody knows what a DIY is. It's a do-it-yourself. A do-it-yourself project in your life right now might be mechanical in nature. Maybe you look up something on YouTube, how to change out an alternator on your car because your battery is not charging. On the YouTube channel, you learn that you can do this at home. You can do it yourself. So you get your wrench, you go out, you loosen the tensioner, take the belt off, undo the two bolts holding the alternator on, take the wire loose, if it's a single wire unit, and replace it with the new one just by reversing the process. Sounds simple, easy stuff. And that's the spirit of the maker, the someone who is... That person who can say, hey, I can do that myself, even though it may be something that everybody else thinks, oh, that's just a production thing. You get that off the shelf. In the survival world, that person might be the one who says, you know, I have been looking at videos on YouTube. I have learned about electronics in my practice and hobbies and jobs. I can put things together. I've got soldering skills. I'm going to go online and see if I can order a little computer board, maybe an Arduino and some uh, sensors, and I'm going to create a proximity alarm. And I'm going to set it up so I can use one of those little bitty solar panels that comes off of one of those garden lights I get at the Dollar Tree. I'm going to use that to charge a battery. Yeah, and that battery, it doesn't have to be much for the Arduino because it runs off a of very minimal voltage. And so every time a motion sensor is tripped on this Arduino, it will scream at me and I'll know something's there. Or it'll run it off. Maybe that's how I keep deer from, from eating things in my garden. As I put this in a little weather box on the edge of the garden. And when something moves, the little screamer goes off. I have a little siren or a buzzer and it scares the deer off. Nobody eats my corn. Well... That's a maker. That's someone who's doing stuff themselves. And you can do the same thing. Let's let's say you find old laptops that need to be recycled. They all have little cameras in them past a certain year model. Some of the old ones don't. But those little cameras are basically just a little USB camera. If you carefully remove them and solder wires to them to connect to a USB, you have a USB webcam that will run on your computer. There's free software 
uh, like iSpy and some others that will take that camera feed and on motion will actually save it like a motion capture uh, security camera. So in the world of the prepper, someone who can do that has created a security camera system and with a little USB hub, you can put theoretically as many cameras as you want there. There is a, a technical limit, but you can create a security camera system for yourself at home easily enough off the grid something that can be powered by battery and that's the nature of the maker that's why that's what this podcast is about is the fact that those those concepts dovetail so well together that somebody who wants to be a prepper or a survivalist and has the, the that love of creating stuff you know how do you take that alarm clock apart and put it back together uh, and make it work this is what becomes the survival technician so the survival technician is someone who encompasses all of those concepts the survival technician is someone who takes a look at any conflict situation tries to analyze it finds the points of failure that are possible finds a way either to mitigate those points of failure or avoid them entirely, and shepherds the whole path of this conflict situation to a favorable outcome. This is the survival technician. The survival technician is someone who thinks that way, regardless of their skill set. The thing is, everyone has a skill set. They're good at something. And when we talk about the specialized community that Kurt Saxon originally discussed, you're going to have people who are good at things and can trade them. If you look at that as your end result, then you really work on your specialization and your ability to negotiate. Those are good skills. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm saying that that's a good starting place and you should do more. There are people that you see in your daily life, especially here in America, we have this problem with obesity. I, I'm a big guy myself, but I used to be much bigger. I ate my feelings after a back injury, and I became huge. And I realized I did that to myself. It was self-inflicted. So having been there and done that, I'm not uh, judging the people who I'm about to talk about. I'm using them as an example. You've gone out to buffets and you've seen someone who have gone to the buffet, piled up the plate, as much as could fit on the plate, and came back, ate every bit of it, probably enough for two or three people. I, I, I've been that guy. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, not anymore, though. The, the same guy will get back up and he'll go back and he'll get another plate to do the same thing. And maybe he'll get half a plate of dessert after those two plates. I mean, he's eaten for five people. And obviously, when you you look at and envision the person that I'm talking about, he's not a skinny little guy. He's a big guy. And the side effect of constantly feeding yourself is growth. I put it in that concept context so that it doesn't sound like I'm saying it's a bad thing. You know that there are health benefits to uh, growth in different ways. I, in my entire life, have always been a brain glutton. And I'm, I'm a maker. I have a drawer full of Arduinos and Raspberry Pis and uh, the 
breadboards and wiring and circuitry. This is one of the things that I do. I'm in my daily life. I am uh, I'm a systems administrator, a technician, and a mathematician. So I'm I'm that guy. I'm the I'm the hey I can build something. I can make something. But it's it's one of those things that I got to by being a brain glutton. Just like I talked about the other guy at the buffet. If there's something that I can learn, I'm going to put it on my plate. And I'm going to go back for more. And I'm going to go back for more. And over the course of time, I have consequently built skills that teach me a lot of things. I, I may not be an, an expert technician in a certain area. But I'm educated enough to know who to ask because I can weed out the posers from the experts because I have some of that expert expertise. doesn't make me an expert. I, I know that if I were to say, well, I'm an expert in this field or that field, that would be that poser. The first thing you have to admit is what you don't know because that's how you fill those gaps. Now, a survival technician is someone who knows enough to see the possible failure points in a process. If you are approached in the survivalist concept of uh, you walk into an alley out a back door to go to your car and there are five guys there waiting to beat you up. Okay, failure points. Can you get back through the door quickly enough or did it close behind you? Can you find a way to run past them before you get the snot beat out of you? Can you pick one of them and do such horrendous damage to him right now that that creates a hole to run through while the other ones are cringing at the violence you just did? These are the opportunities, but the failure point you've already passed. So the survival technician should evaluate things and not blindly walk out of that door. The survival technician should be able to say, okay, I can't deal with this guy. He outweighs me by 250 and he's too close to me. I don't care how good you are at jujitsu. You can't use it on a silverback gorilla. It's just that way. So <clears throat> once you look at what you're going to do, how you mitigate points of failure, mitigating them means you make them less damaging. You've already walked out the door. Okay, well, how do you deal with this now? Can I run back in the door? Okay, as I walk out the door, I don't let it slide behind me. I don't let it uh, swing to. I hang on to it until I've looked and know if I need to run back inside. Uh, things like that. Just, just little examples here and there. In the survival technician's world, if you are buying a new car, that car salesman wants to give you the undercoat, the extra warranty, the extra paint polish, uh, all the extra document fees. He wants to warranty the air in your tires. And you want to pay $3,000 less than what you originally saw it marked at. So you're on two totally different sides. He's wanting you to pay more, 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 and you want to pay less, less, less. So your point of failure would be paying more. That would be an, a, a non-positive outcome, undesirable outcome. As you work on how this is going with the negotiations with this guy, you decide where you're willing to bend and lose a little so you don't lose the overall. In the concept of sitting down at a board game, let's say you're playing poker, um, this is a conflict. All of these, the goal may not be to win. 
but the goal is definitely not to lose. So don't lose is a concept for the survival technician. If you're a survivalist, you know over the course of time, if you let anybody else know, the first thing that you're going to hear from so many people is, wow, if it really hits the fan, I'm coming to your house. You need to be very clear with them and explain to them that no, they're not. This is not something that's allowed. This is a non-desirable outcome. You need to take care of you. But you can do this a couple of ways. Either you explain to them, no, there's no way that's happening. If, if it hits the fan, I'm locking down. Or you can explain to them, well, that's probably not a good thing because you're not part of my regular daily ongoing plan now. So let me help you learn so that you can also be prepared. And if they're also prepared, then you have a known, skilled backup resource that might have different skills than you. So the survival technician is not a lone wolf. He is not the, the master of all trades either. A survival technician is somebody who learns something about everything he can. And someone who tries to build skills in others. He is someone who tries to make sure he, his family, his friends, and his community are safe and protected. Because if you're going to withdraw from your community and not help it and hide out up in the mountains until this is over, just so you can be alive, you're a survivalist. If you're going to be a prepper and be prepared for this, you're going to stay in place and weather through it no matter what happens. The survival technician is going to be a worker in the midst of this process and help the, the, the survivalist up in the hills, the prepper who's in place, the community who didn't prepare as much as possible. And granted, to do this, you have to take care of yourself first. You have to prepare for you so you have something to help others. You can't sacrifice yourself for them or there's nothing to give them. You can't shut them out or you are not helping them. There are those that will have to be shut out. I'm talking about in general, the society around you, your community. If you are going to just look out for yourself, just out for number one, then, you know, do whatever you're going to. I'm not, you're not the one I'm talking to because you're selfish enough that you're not going to help others and care about what happens around you. Then, uh, you know, you probably got all the skill sets you need. You're not the one who should be listening to this. You should just move on. As we talk about all the different things here in the uh, in the podcast, we're going to talk about all sorts of skill sets that, that you already have, no matter who you are. We're going to talk about skill sets that you do not have. And we're going to talk about learning and always taking a joy in learning new things that you can use, that you can share, that you can practice. Let's talk about this one thing. Riding a bicycle. Everybody uses this as an example. It's just like riding a bicycle. You never forget it. But you know what? You've got to learn to ride a bicycle first. If you said, oh, it's just like riding a bicycle, you never forget it, then you've learned to ride a bicycle. 
if we intellectualize riding a bicycle and sit down and talk about it, we can map it out on a whiteboard. We can talk about the physics of balance. We can talk about wheel turning to keep your balance so that if you lean in one direction, the wheel saves you and moves the bike back under you and all of these things intellectually. But that doesn't teach you how to ride a bicycle. Maybe you know how to ride a bicycle. If you've never practiced it, put it into actual physical practice and been on that bicycle, then no, you don't know how to ride a bicycle. The same thing happens with all of the prepping and survival skills. If you have a skill set where you know how to shoot defensively, let's say short-term uh, skills like uh, you, you went and practiced and got your concealed carry. You practiced enough that you could pass the, the live fire practice in at the range. And then you never use it. You never go back to the range. You've got it. When you are in a situation where something has to happen right now, it's possible lethal force. Have you practiced drawing that weapon? Have you practiced taking out of your pocket or your holster or uh, waistband or purse, wherever you have chosen to carry? And you practiced the live fire of doing that and then putting holes in targets to decide that as soon as I touch this thing, I know where this hole is going. It's like riding a bicycle. But I guarantee you, if you haven't ridden a bicycle in 40 years, you get back on it, you're going to be really rusty. It's going to be inconveniently weird. There's going to be some body mechanic skills because you did it enough to make it reflex. You didn't do that with a CCL when you learned to just pass the live fire to carry. So you got to get out there. You got to spend time at the range. You've got to put a timer on. You've got to do practice from the holster or wherever you're carrying. Be practical and put those skills into the body, into muscle memory. And then it might save your life when you need it. But if you just know how and then never practice, then it's not a skill set. It's not something you can use when, you, when you're under pressure. You might be able to work it out and go out and build the skill with your knowledge without any help if you know but that requires practice. So, if you're going to teach that to somebody else, how do you do it? Well, you have to have that, that first step, that intellectualizing of, okay, when you do this, you, you your stance should be like this. You should lean like this. You should press out the weapon like this, and so forth. And if you don't have that, where you can express it to others, but you can kind of do it yourself, that's that's okay, but you're not going to help others learn, and then you got to be the one who protects them. If you know how to deal with food storage, and you have all the food for the next three months, but you've never taught anybody else about it, and they, they show up at your door, you know, maybe you should have helped them out and had them learn to be the one who has the food too. That's what the community is about. Not that you have specialists who can do everything, although that's the, the starting point. The point is that you are able to take those specialists and learn from them so you're more multi-talented and to teach them so they're more multi-talented. So you must find people of like mind if you want a community. If you just want to, you know, be the guy, the, the one who has the bunker and the food storage and the skills and to heck with the rest of them, then I would put you way back at the beginning of survivalist because you're about surviving. 
You're not about being prepared, except for the concept of preparing to survive yourself alone. You're not about the concept of, of maintaining some quality of life. Because, you know, if you're the last man on earth, you have survived. Good job. What you got now? You didn't help bring another person through this? Well, okay. So, the survival technician is somebody who is a cog in the machinery, or is the machinery, or controls the machinery. You know, however you want to look at it. We're talking about metaphors here in this definition. But we're going to learn in this podcast as we move through how to be the survival technician. Someone who's not just out for themselves, but is consummately prepared, has the skill sets to deal with just foraging and rebuilding from parts, you know, we're, we're dealing with the question, how do you rebuild society when everything, everything is gone? You know, did the, does the average uh, gun-toting survivalist, and um, don't take that as a detriment, because, you know, I am one too, uh, but does, does the average gun-toting survivalist know how to operate a ham radio? Do they know how to manage the antenna so they don't burn out the radio. Now, these are kind of technical skills. Does the average gun-toting survivalist know anything about water purification systems and building them from scratch? How do you deal with that when the commercial one that you bought, this big, highly engineered thing, breaks down? Because things break. Are you going to have a repairman everywhere you go? Or are you going to be that repairman? Are you going to be the survivalist or the survival technician? Are you going to be the prepper or the support for the prepper and the community? So we've talked about definitions today. And uh, if I've been offensive to anybody in talking about these classes and categories of people, uh, but good, that's fine. You know, I cease to care if you are happy with or offended by my opinions because I'm basing them on facts I have experienced. So I'm not judging anybody out there. But if I, if I did offend you, that means I made you think. You stopped and you thought about what I said. So that's awesome. Because if you thought about what I said and had enough of an emotional reaction that you thought, hey, that's me, then we're going to talk about how to make you better. If you had an emotional reaction like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's right. Then we're going to give you tools to be better. That's, you know, neither one of those is bad, but your reaction is yours and you got to own it. I don't have to. So on this side of the mic, I'm going to continue to have an opinion and I will share an opinion and if you want to join the Patreon and put comments in here, well, I'll answer your comments on here, and we will talk about them on here, and uh, that you have the opportunity to change my mind, because I'm not one of those folks who has made up their mind on how they're going to believe in everything in life, or anything in life. Facts can change. I believe in facts. I believe in reasoning, and I believe in logic. So... Given that, and given your ability to communicate with me here in the future, if we have anything that's controversial, and I really don't think today was controversial, but uh, I did turn, use the term redneck a couple of times and gun-toting survivalist, um, some of y'all own that. Some of you think it's offensive. Yeah, that's up to you. 
I think it's kind of funny. So, as we go through uh, discussions like this, you know, if you have a reaction, awesome. I want to hear about it because those reactions are good. I don't I don't care whether you know they're negative or positive in the context of your thoughts, but reactions are good because anything that's out there that makes you focus on a thought that might be controversial and makes you think about a fact that you might not know already or one that you might use to reinforce what you do know, that's a good thing. So I want everybody on this to consider themselves survival technicians from this point forward. And so to all of my survival technicians out there, I have enjoyed talking to you today. And to you in particular, yeah, you, you sitting right there, you know who you are. I want you to think about all these things, figure out where you sit in this and start making lists, make lists of what you need to know, make lists of what you need to do, make lists of what you need to build, because that's how you start. You create a plan. I'm going to talk to you all in the next podcast. Have a marvelous day.